Derby County are on the brink of extinction. This is a podcast with Rams legend Igor Stimak. He led the Rams during one of the most successful periods in recent memory. Let's get there again. Sign the petition at change.org. Support the club and don't give up. I know it's a difficult time as a Derby County fan. I'm feeling it as much as anybody who's listening. But this is when they need us. So let's not give up. Let's enjoy some nostalgia. Here's Igor Stimak. This could happen to anybody if it happened to Derby. Well, it did. It happened to Berry Football Club. And when it happened to Berry Football Club, the fans paid the price. It was the fault of the owners and it was not the fault of the fans. And it'll come back here for Powell and then Stimac is still there and celebrates with a goal on his debut. The Croatian captain pulls one back for Derby County. Do whatever is necessary to protect those fans of Derby. I have seen on a daily basis in my constituency what this does to the fans of a football club who care and love that club and care and love their town. It's not over yet. It is now. Derby County go into the Premiership next season. The result of this 2-1 victory here over Crystal Palace. The winning goal by Robin van der Laan after Steen Sturridge had scored that one early on. This is bigger than all the rules in the world. This has got to be sorted out. Please do everything possible to protect Derby fans and please do not make the mistakes of what happened with Berry. Before we start, how are the things there, mate? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I can't quite believe I'm, I'm saying this, but welcome on to Talk Derby to me. Igor Stimak. How are you, Igor? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Hope everybody is safe and well there. Yeah, it's um, it's difficult times, but how is life for you at the minute? Are you coping okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all right. Just spending time with my family, making sure everybody is safe. Nothing else to do at this stage. Are you still involved? What's life in football at the minute? What are you doing football-wise? That's good. At the moment, I'm following our uh, Indian Super League which has been in progress since November. So as a national team head coach, I have to follow the games from the league. And every day is one game, kick-off at 3 o'clock. I just follow, I watch it until March when we have gathering and two friendly games before the qualifiers in June 2022. How's it been going in that role? Is it going okay at the minute? It was good. Everything started well. We went with uh, with a great ambition into everything, you know, reconstructing the squad, which I found there with uh, with uh, long term plans. It took us a while to find the players for a kind of a style of the of the football we want to play, and recent results were very good. You know, we went through ten games without defeat. Six wins and four draws, and now waiting to to have these two friendly games before the qualifiers third round for the Asian Cup. Hopefully, we're going to be there in China at the Asian Cup in the final stages. We we spoke to Phil Brown um, about a year ago now, but he was a manager in the ICL and in the ISL, and he was telling us how the standard had improved while he'd been over there. Have you seen a difference in the standard since since you've been watching it? 
Definitely the standard improved with the Indian Super League. You know, the, the league is organized in a very good manner. Uh, broadcast is phenomenal, but you cannot expect quality of the football to rise up so quickly, you know, because the thing which is missing still there are proper football academies, many kids involved in it, uh, proper infrastructure, you know, it's, it's quite slow. And I would say that, that, uh, we should be, we should be thinking more of a development programs. Have you had time in between watching ISL and, and in your current job to, to keep an eye on Derby County and, Keeping on the results and what's been happening. Absolutely, appreciate everything. What what Wayne Rooney is doing there, his loyalty, his commitment, his wonderful work in such a difficult circumstances. You know, after Mel left the club in such a bad shape and without any further explanation, you know, it was not easy. Definitely for all the players, staff, and everyone there in the club to think about any certainty in the future. But Rooney is doing an amazing job. I need to say that every Derby County supporter needs to appreciate his efforts, his commitment and loyalty to the club. Have you ever been in a position like that as a player or as a manager where you've wanted to implement things, but you maybe can't because of the restraints and you've and the difficult situation? Have you ever been in that position? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I... Uh, Cut my deal with West Ham United in 2001. I went back to Hajduk Split, which was uh, one step from bankruptcy. You know, that's my hometown club, the club where I started my career, where I signed my first professional contract, the club where I was captain for six years, playing quarterfinal of the Champion League and winning many trophies. And uh, together with uh, Another three ex-players of Hajduk Split, and you will recognize them, Slaven Bilic, Aljoša Asanović, and Alan Bokšić. Yeah. We, we, we gave a loan to the club of three million to save it from a bankruptcy procedure. And at the same time, we were working on board of directors in the club. At the same time, I was board director and for, uh, for a year I was a manager of the club, but they didn't stop us winning the trophies in five years we spent there. But it was exhausting time, to be honest, you know, making sure and investing money into a big hole, uh, which you never uh, able to fill in enough money and waiting for someone to come or on government to change some, some regulations or laws to help us in such circumstances. Similar with Derby County, you know, things need to be changed in regards to the regulators. We cannot allow these uh, private owners and investors to come, take something which has such a big tradition, such a big point in the, in the, between the supporters and the population of Derbyshire and people who are connected to Derby County and then leave without reason, even they have enough money to keep, to keep uh, uh, taking good care of the club. Would you ever look at maybe returning to Derby County one day? Have you have you been approached in the past and would you do it? Would you have a look at coming back if it was right yeah, for you? That's, that's one thing I feel sorry about, you know, when I, when Sam Rush approached me to, to and offered me the job there. Uh, at that time, I was national team head coach of Croatia, you know, and it was not easy for me to leave the position at that time and to join my beloved club. But after everything what happened there with Croatia in those qualifiers, when we were successful and finished second in the group after Belgium, who is one of the best sides in the world, 
I felt sorry for for everything that happened. You know, I felt sorry. I didn't accept that offer. Maybe one day. You never know. Never say no. <laughs> Take us right back to the beginning, Igor, if you can. To where did you get started in in football, and how did you get your break to to get into the professional game before you came over to England and Derby County? I started in my hometown, Metkovic, which is just like 100 kilometers away from Split. And I was, uh, as a kid, big supporter of Hajduk Split and following all the games, always going to school with the ball below my below my hand and, and coming back from school and playing all day. And at the early age, I was I was passionate and successful in, in playing football with the kids. And, and uh, the small club in my hometown, Retma Metkovic, was the first club providing me uh, training sessions with coaches and developing developing me as a, as a football player. And first offer from Hajduk Split came when I was 12 years old to join the academy, which at that time was one of the best European football academies. But my parents didn't allow me to leave the home and the family, you know. But anyway, that happened when I was 16, and uh, not much after, a year later, I signed my first professional contract. I had my debut. It was 1985. I was a 17-year-old boy in Yugoslavian league at that time. And that was it. That was the start of it, you know. Was there a moment you knew that you were going to make it as a professional footballer? Did you always believe that that was the route for you? Was there anything else in mind or did you always have your head down that you knew what you was doing? Oh, absolutely. There was no way back. Either you succeed or you are on the street. That's how it works in football, you know. Still these days, nothing changed. Somehow I feel things should be changed there because many of these kids which at the end are not successful in a tries to, to succeed in football, they are left nowhere, you know, because still we didn't do anything to, to mix these scholarships and uh, football training sessions and all that, because not many kids can be successful in football, obviously, to, to sort out their, their life. We had Simo on last week, who, who you played with, Paul Simpson, and we were talking about the, the youth Simo. game. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great lad, great player he was, and uh, he's a great coach. I followed him, uh, followed his career, and when he was assisting to to Maka, to McLaren, and later on when he was on his own, great, great. We were talking about what could change for young players because it's completely different. He said that he came through at sixteen, was playing like reserve team football with men, and then now you can be like yeah. twenty two, twenty three years old and not played first team. So, do you think it could change to try and help those players? Do you think that could help? Because you could get to 22 and still not make it as a pro nowadays. No, absolutely. But things need to be done between the club, league, league officials and the government and sport ministry, you know. Things need to be changed there because there is so much money involved in every time. Everyone is well covered, but we didn't do much for the kids which are not successful at the end of when they fulfill the 19, 20 years and there is certainty that they will not make it. Why England then? Did you always want to play in England and, and why Derby County? Because at that time, Derby in the second division, um, it didn't. It probably wasn't the most appealing uh, place to come, to come over from Croatia, to come to the baseball ground in second division football. How did that all come about? Well, you are right. You know, at, at the time when I was a Croatian international uh, football player and with uh, such experience and such uh, confidence, 
you said right. I, I had a dream playing in England, but it was a reasonable dream because at that time you couldn't see and couldn't find in England uh, centre-backs uh, who would take more risk and try to play and pass the ball, you know. It was all about kick the ball away, far away, as much as you can. And somehow I felt that I could do a lot there with uh, my style of play because I was always confident uh, in the ball possession, in passing. And I had good knowledge because as a boy I started as a, as a forward player, you know. And I was the best goal scorer in all youth teams. As the time was passing by, I was coming down on the line, you know, first offensive midfielder. After that, I was defensive midfielder. At the end, I was centre-back. And I knew how the, the forward players think, how they move, how the runs they need to make. So I could read the game really well, which helped me later in my career. But anyway, uh, uh, Premier League was always the most popular one part of the world, and we all followed the league. I, I could... Definitely feel that I would be very successful there. That's why I wanted to go there. What were your first impressions of, of Derby coming over then when you came over to, to speak to Jim for the first time? So difficult to say. I was surprised to see such old such old ground where we met for the first time when I was driven from the Heathrow Airport to to Jim's office at the baseball ground. At first I was shocked because it was written there baseball ground, so I, I couldn't understand why we are coming to the baseball ground. Because baseball for me means baseball, it's a different sport from football, you know. But anyway, after meeting Jim, everything settled down really well, pretty quick, and uh, he was quite clear with a uh, few words only about his expectations, why he decided to sign me and all that. And so we were both very ambitious and very confident men, and that's why we handled the situation quite well together. Did he impress you straight away then? Absolutely, absolutely. Since very beginning, we, we switched on in a quite good way, you know, and I could say that it was an honor to work with him. I was, he was the reason why I stayed with Derby County for four years. Uh, obviously supporters with the connection we made after my first few games and all the way through. And, but mostly Jim, you know, because if you don't have uh, support from your manager, then you cannot go as a football player either. So Jim was there to, to make most out of anyone in the dressing room. He was the one handling the situation there in a really good way. And he's the guy who knew how to listen also. He was not such a strict man. He was old fashioned uh, English manager, but quite realistic. Uh, very, very uh, clear about what he expects from the players on the pitch and on the pitch also. And that's what I love. How important was Steve McLaren? Were they a team? Did they do different things and complement each other as, as a team? Were they both as important as each other? Absolutely. They were, they were fantastic duo together, you know. Jim as, as, a, as a main man and Steve with his, I would say, new methods in uh, football practice because he was the one who, who followed really well everything about new methods in uh, training sessions you know at that time Derby County was the first club to implement uh, this special room for the treatments with uh, with uh, warm-up chairs and treatment chairs uh, tactical room we were the first in England to have it actually you know 
So we, we are following the most modern inventions needed in football to become successful football team. We were one of the first to, to involve sports psychologists into our practice. And it was really wonderful to work with these guys. Your debut uh, at Tranmere, it's, it's quite a famous uh, story because we, we lost 5-1 on your debut at, at Tranmere. You, you did score, but we went on to beat them later on in the season as part of that long 20-game run. What are your memories of, of the debut in your first game for Derby? I remember lots of pain in my knees from the car accident I had a few days earlier. You know, but although I couldn't, I couldn't complain much of, because of stupidity I done prior to that game. And but I knew the most important thing for me and uh, for for the connection between me and the fans would be the next two games we're gonna play at home. That was really important. We couldn't do much of a change in the first game against Tranmere away because we stayed in the same system. We played four at the back. Dean uh, Sturridge was still not available for us and he was obviously one of the crucial players in Derby County success. But then coming back to Derby County and having two home games in front of our own crowd, it was very important to me to make great impression, you know, to, to show everyone how good leader I can be on the pitch, how much affection I can, I can uh, make on the team. And another point which was very important was discussion with Jim after primary defeat about the system we should, we should be playing, you know, and when we switched to, to three, four, one, two, Everything changed. Were you involved in that decision making then to to play as a sweeper and play the three five the yeah, different had, system? I had a discussion with Jim following day, you know, and uh, spending ten days with the team and the players. I could see I could see how good players we have in the squad and uh, what was needed was to put everyone on its uh, best position and to have more creativity and more more confidence on the pitch. And when we switched to three at the back, obviously with young Gary Rovet on my right side and Dean Yates on my left side, everything looked so easy, you know, because no teams were used to play with a sweeper in that league. And it was difficult for everyone to play against us in such a way. For me, it was easy to handle everyone because I, I had two great centre-backs in front of me, handling the strikers from the opposite team. We had great full-backs also. A strong and confident man in the midfield with Darren Powell, Robbie Van der Laan, you know, and Cabiodini, Simo, Storage up front. It was amazing. It was when almost. We started winning games, we couldn't stop. It was almost like playing with seven attackers once we changed that formation. You had the, the, the three of you defended, it was right. almost like seven attackers. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. You, you, we had two, two uh, sitting uh, central midfielders. Wanderlaan and, and Darren Powell, but also two guys who are capable of attacking and being involved in, a, in a creativity in the final third. We had uh, two fullbacks which were up high, very high, and front three, which are players with amazing skills. Ronnie Williams were there, was there also to score the goal, so we didn't have any problems in uh, getting promotion that season. Was there a moment, Igor, where you realised Derby had a, a chance of going up that year? Because you got on a good run after after a bad start to, to your time at Derby. But was there a moment where you thought, "Oh, we can actually get out of this league automatically"? After the first, after primary game, everything changed. You know that, and winning two next two games at home 
gave us a needed boost. That lifted up the confidence in the rest of the dressing room in a pretty quick way. And uh, winning game by game, it was a clear sign that uh, we can go all the way through. It was only important because the, the season is so long and there is so many games. It was very important for us to go through January and February without losing the, the shape and not facing any injuries on the key players. We went through that in a pretty good way and it was only a question of time when we were going to celebrate. Thank you, as ever, to our sponsors. A couple of new sponsors this week. I'm never very good at doing this, but I have to because it pays the bills, really. But I do really appreciate it. So Jimmy McLaughlin, you might know Jimmy. He's been hosting the talks on Twitter. Um, I think there's one on Thursday evening, um, one on Tuesday, which got thousands of people talking. Uh, Liam Rossini was on one. Owen Bradley and people in and around the club, they've been absolutely brilliant. But he's actually got a podcast of his own called Jimmy's Jobs of the Future, and it's absolutely brilliant. I'm new to it. Um, I don't have much time to listen to podcasts, as you can imagine, because my whole life is listening to audio. But as you can tell, Jimmy's a great talker and that really comes across in his podcast. So go and have a listen to that. And Dave Essen from Frontline Recruitment, he's a big supporter of Sport Locally and of the podcast. Um, I really appreciate everything he does. We talk about football all the time and he's been good enough to to help me get Igor and, and back this podcast so we can we can get Igor on. So frontline recruitment go and check them out and support them on social media and check out their website obviously if you want a job it'd probably be most handy but just go and support them anyway because they've supported us are you a teacher or teaching assistant are you looking for your next role within education ltf recruitment specialize in the long term and permanent for schools across the midlands and london we currently work with over 200 schools and have helped nearly 500 people into new roles for more information, visit ltfrecruitment.co.uk. Well, it, it went down right to the wire in the, the Crystal Palace game. Born then. I was, I was born. I was five. <laughs> Good man. I can't, I can't remember it. I'm not going to claim to. I can, I can remember being it. The first year at Pride Park is my real first memories. So I just missed out. Baseball ground. But <laughs> that day at, at the baseball grounds against Crystal Palace. Were you confident going into that that this is just, we've just got to get the job done, we'll win this and we're promoted or was there a bit, a bit of nerves? Absolutely. No doubt whatsoever. I remember, I remember that one day prior to the game, uh, our dear physio, Phil Melville, who, who was my neighbour there in the Heatherdon village, a little over, came to visit me, came for a cup of tea and, you know, he was... Not so sure. He was looking worried and all that. I just told him, "Come on, Pete, relax. Everything will be fine. We're gonna do it tomorrow." <laughs> Remember him sitting in my garden and having a cup of tea with me and wondering what's going to happen. I saw a, an interview. I think it was one you did with with Colin Gibson, and um, I think you said after the game you just wanted to sit down with uh, your cigarette and have a couple of sips of champagne and relax. But then there was a, a party and everything to go to instead. How is Colin, by the way? Is he okay? He's okay, thank you. He's been back on the he's been back on the radio the last few weeks. He's back on Radio Derby, so yeah, he's okay. okay. Yeah, he's... Got to him also. He might be watching this later. Yeah, I'll I'll pass them on if not. 
going into <laughs> the first year in the Premier League, I've spoken to Jakob Larsson about this, and it was his first season at, at Derby, and he thinks that Derby had a real advantage still being at the baseball ground for that first season to, to stay in the Premier League. Do you, do you go along with that and, and think that? I think even if it was not the baseball ground, we had enough quality in our team to stay in the league. But obviously it helped us a little bit mm. uh, that old ground, old fashioned ground with lots of mud during December, January, February, you know, and the ground just so close there, but it helped us. It helped us, I, I need to say. But we proved the next season when the, when the Pride Park was open, when we went there, that we can handle any situation. So it's all about players and the confidence, to be honest. And making good start is obviously very important because if you don't start well in this league, then it's difficult to to find a good moment for a for a for a good round. Was it difficult to leave the baseball ground though? Because it was a special place for the fans and and for the players from players I've spoken to before. I mean, I didn't spend there hundred years, so to make it difficult for me for a change, you know. But uh, I was I was happy going to to the Pride Park. Because of the confidence I had, probably. Derby County fans deserved a better place. They deserved, the club deserved a better place. And uh, such a beautiful new stadium and new facilities for everyone, you know. And all the people who were there at the board of directors, who were uh, very passionate about the club, all the local guys, you know, mm-hmm. Mr. Gatsby, Mr. Webb, and uh, Lionel Pickering also there. Everyone, everyone who was involved, we were like one family, one, one really good family, you know, and everybody deserved this big move from the baseball ground to the, to the Pride Park. Those were the fantastic years for Derby when, when the Pride Park was opened, someone got to meet royalty. Elizabeth got to meet Igor Stimak. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was planning that one. Do you remember that meeting the Queen and, and the, uh, the opening? Yeah, yeah, I do remember. I do remember even my, my oldest son, Luca. He's 31 now and he was, uh, he was there with a bunch of flowers waiting for the queen to, to, to give her the flowers. And everybody at home was excited about that moment, you know. So it was amazing, right? Meeting the queen and uh, going out and to that wonderful pitch uh, in front of full crowd. Everybody so passionate about what was so special about that team that, that went into the Premier League that got to to mid-table and getting into eighth in the Premier League? And what kind of was it about that side that got up there? And could you have kicked on and maybe in later years gone a little bit further, got into your way for Cup, maybe got a bit further, do you think? Yeah, I think we could. I think we could because from year to year, in four years' time, I was obviously there. We were progressing. We were aiming for more and more and uh, getting better results, proving to everyone that we are not one year show. The reason why I left Derby County was obviously uh, some change of uh, sport policy in Jim's office. Because to to stay successful in Premier League, you need to you need to look for experienced players. You cannot go into that fight, into such a fight with such a high ambition with youngsters. You know, you can handle one youngster in the team and uh, support him and give him certain minutes on the pitch and uh, uh, take good care of him. But uh, 
spending money on many youngsters and not reinforcing uh, the squad with uh, another one or two experienced players. It's always it's always a problem. Did you kind of foresee what was going to happen at Derby then? If you don't bring in the experience that the the kind of yeah, that's what I said to the gym and uh, Keith Loring also. I heard that that Keith passed away two days ago and really feel sorry about. He was part of the team which was very successful. Their wonderful director, CEO, great guy. But of course, but no, we didn't agree about everything, and I was not one in charge. But I could always say and express myself, and they were very kind listening to what I had to say. But this stage, they didn't agree with me about this, these possible problems which we are going to face. And I was very clear to tell them I'm not taking part in this. Sorry, I'm going to leave. I was part of successful Derby County football club. I'm not taking part in any opposite one. Is that a decision? I know it's hard to look back, but do you stand by or do you, do you maybe regret leaving Derby or is it, do you stand by your decision at that time because of where the club was going? I don't regret. I was, I did what I did in a very conscious way. You know, so I couldn't see Derby uh, being successful as it was. I didn't see a great ambition as it used to be in the previous years. And I didn't want to take part of it. Also, some comments which were made based on my uh, lower number of appearances throughout the season because of my back problems was something which hurt me, which I didn't deserve while I was there. But that's life. Before we move on to, to you leaving, I just want to have a look back on some of your... Cheers, mate. <laughs> Um, let's have a look back on some of your what are your favourite memories you know, if you if you look back on, on Derby County is there certain things you look back on and think that that was a good memory I mean we beat Liverpool Man United the Tottenham's we were beating big clubs in the Premier League is there, is there anything that stands out for you? No not really we, 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 we know the feeling how to beat uh, how it feels beating Man United how it feels to beat Liverpool Arsenal Chelsea all these teams they were all beaten by us so we had a great time in Derby County. I made many friends, you know. I'm very proud about the time spent there and about the connection I made and the love between the supporters and the team and myself personally. And feeling welcomed every time I'm going there. I, I always cry when I go there. That's something I never do, you know. That's not me. Whenever I come to Derby County and when I, when I go out on the pitch, when I see the people still appreciate the things which I've done there and uh, honouring the commitment and the loyalty it's, it's something which makes me proud. Derby County are a uh, they're a special kind of supporter. If you um if you give a hundred percent for Derby I think you'll always be remembered and I think they're very loyal like that. Yeah but it doesn't exist anymore in football, you know, and it's really sad. It's really sad, you know, even Derby County was in, in recent years. I, I could say the biggest problem was uh, that that little word loyalty, which was which was never there in that dressing room. You know, players just coming and uh, there to earn the money and leaving the club when they don't feel good. And it's, it, there is no romance anymore in football. So that's that what some, I miss. That's what that, I miss. Too. Is that is that something that's missing? Absolutely. I'm I'm a traditional footballman. Yes. We've had some um, some questions in from from our listeners that they wanted to ask yeah. you. Who was the best player you played with at Derby? 
in Derby, I, w- I, w- I would say there were, there were quite few, you know, but mm. if I need to point one only, it would be difficult. I wouldn't give anyone that advantage, but I would, I would say three of them were very important. One is definitely uh, Sturridge. Mm. Yeah, the, the second one is my mate, Asanovic, who was the main reason why we, why we survived in the Premier League the first season. And uh, Paolo Wanchov. With um, with your friend Asanovic, was it a case of he just likes being going? He had a lot of clubs and he didn't really stay anywhere longer than a year, did he? Was it just that he liked to move on? He's that kind of a bird. He loves flying around. Oh, brilliant. Are you more lucky than Asanovic? Well, I'm not sure about that. I think that you know, I would say that in Derby because of the. Way how it stayed, you know. I, I there was never anything wrong there. Yes, I had my spells with Hajduk uh, when I was a player, where I was adored by the supporters and all that. But at the time when I made my return here on board of directors, later as a sport director and the coach, I had good fights with the supporters, leaders. You know, I throw them out of the club, so that connection is not really great anymore. This was the only way to, to defend the club, the club against those who are involved in racketeering and these other things which are not part of the sport. What's your uh, favourite Jim Smith story? Oh, there were many. <laughs> have, you got, have you got one for us? I remember him, him and Stevie being very worried when we were, uh, we were supposed to face Leicester away in that first year. Yeah. You know, and we didn't give a fuck about who's Leicester, what's Leicester. You know, we are, we are Derby County, we are winning every game and we go to play Leicester, so what's the fucking point? <laughs> you know, and they were sick worried and, and then Maka told me, you know, Igor, don't be too confident because there is one great player, Emil Kesky is his name and all that. I said, come on, Stevie, give me a break, you know, we're going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Is, uh, I think it finished nil nil. I think... Emil didn't get the ball at all throughout the game. I'm not surprised. Was it a case of Jim Smith maybe being the, the bad guy and was McLaren kind of after him being picking everyone back up again? A few people have kind of said they had like a, a, the differing roles in the management team or was that not something you thought? Yeah, Jim was uh, himself. Mm. That was him. He was a really honest guy, you know. Whatever he was thinking, he would tell you, even if he needs to swear at you or kick you in the ass, whatever it is. Whatever it is, you deserve it. You need to be sure about that. He was straightforward. That's what I loved most. Maka was more of a man who was trying to make friendships with the players, stay close to them. If he's uh, seeing that someone is not in a good shape, good form, he would spend more time with him. Extra training, small talks uh, to keep him uh, to stay in a positive mood and bring him back to to, to his best. Alpha was uh, very very straightforward, and but he was always there. He was honest. That was most important for the players. Did you ever have a glass of red wine and a cigar with him? Oh, absolutely, plenty of times. <laughs> Uh, Robin van der Laan, we did a live thing in Derby a few months back and he told a story where um, I think he, he went away with Derby because he was injured, but there was an awards deal he went to 
and he was forced to stay up to about two in the morning drinking red wine with Jim. <laughs> if you accept one glass, you need to be ready for a few more. <laughs> what were your memories of the, the Ram Arena and uh, training there when you when you first come? Somebody's asked. I remember cold in my bones. <laughs> was coming down, you know, to Ram Arena. It was so freezing some days. Yeah. So, so crazy, but it was lovely to work with all these guys. You know, I didn't mention obviously they are Ramio and Bayano. My God, what a player. What a player. Yeah. It, was, it was great. We didn't have a joy to, to enjoy the new training facilities, which I visited later on, but if we had those at that time, it would be even much, much better. Was it a shock to some of the foreign lads who, who signed for a Premier League club and then um, just went to basically what was a shed on Rainsway to, to train with one pitch. It was quite a big, <laughs> quite a big shock. Is that is that character building? There, we spoke earlier about young lads and and the character and the romance of football. Is that kind of does that bring you together as a group of lads and you you're all in it together in the baseball ground in the Ram Arena when you first come over? Is that does that kind of bring you together? I suppose so. I suppose so. You know, it's when we speak about the romance and these. Uh, the passion in football and all that. You cannot become successful as a football team if you don't have that family feeling in the present. I know that the results are bad, the best, the best uh, thing to, to create environment of winners. But uh, also good friendships, loyalty and honesty are the things which need to be in the dressing room all the time, uh, which are uh, in the responsibility of the captains and the skipper. And uh, whoever uh, whoever is having that, uh, he can obviously become successful as a team. And whenever whenever I was watching uh, last year's Abbey Town, that thing was missing there, and I could hear people and supporters speaking a lot about about uh, lack of loyalty and lack of these things, which are very important for Abbey Town. Do you have any regrets from your time at Derby County? No, no regrets. My only, my only uh, regret was that we didn't go the way which we started. We we left that way, which was very successful, you know. And that last season before I left, Jim decided to spend I think fifteen million pounds, which were which were well earned throughout the years, on three youngsters signing them from second second division. Told him openly, you know, Jim, doing such a great job in, in the market and on in the transfer windows, and now spending 15 million on the youngsters, which are not capable of helping us in the, the Premier League. I don't think that's a good way to, to start the season. That was that was the only regret because I wanted to stay there. I wanted to finish my career in Derby County. You know, if I wanted to leave Derby County, I would do it after first season. If, if uh, I was impressed and uh, and. Uh, if I was uh, such an ambitious guy looking to join Man United or other clubs, I, I would do it after first year. I wouldn't wait there for longer, you know. But I stayed and I could see myself uh, there in Derby for many, many years to come because I wanted to finish uh, coaching courses and uh, to start my career after after finishing with football. And I was I could see clearly myself connected and, and living in Derby for the rest of my life. Was management something you always planned for uh, for when you finished? Was you always going to go into management? Yes. 
that's my life. Football is my life, and I could see myself. I was always interested in the coaching methods. I was always interested into training sessions and everything what what uh, coaches are doing, what what is important for them to to create a successful football team. And I, I followed that with all my coaches. I could see clearly myself after my my playing days in the in the management. Is there a management manager you think you took the most from? from your career that you think you learned the most from or do you take a little bit from each manager as you go through? Everybody is doing a pretty similar job to be honest but the, the result depends on the environment the result depends on the on the club ambition financial position and, and uh, success in the transfer market so the job is pretty similar nearly everywhere you know I visited many successful uh, Football managers, I spoke to them, I've seen their training sessions. There is no difference in it. And the one thing which makes difference is how quick you can recognize the situations that needs on your team during the game. What could be changed on time, not to suffer later on, but not many managers are very, very successful to this point, but they have today all these technological things and uh, on the spot there, even on the bench, they, they have their analysts and such a great support, which was not for you before. So it's obviously very important. Where are you doing your job? What's behind you? I heard a quote from you before where you said management's about mistakes and, and basically who makes the least mistakes. Is that something you still believe in? There is no hidden things in football. Even all supporters, they know everything about football. Of course, they are not capacitive enough to to uh, to know how to train the players and what they need to do. But when they see the game, they are very clear, they are very honest about achievements, about what was right, what was wrong. These are final thoughts on the game. But the, the head coaches and coaching staff are the guys who are professionals there to teach the players how to improve, to do everything to get them get the best out of them to find the best positions in the certain style of the play for them and all that. But uh, to make it easier for everyone, when everyone asks me, you know, who's the best one, the best one is who makes less mistakes. Managing the, your, the Croatian national team, is that up there with your, your proudest achievements in your footballing career? No, for now, yes. Winning trophies in Hajduk Split, later saving a few clubs from relegation here in Croatia and, and then... Uh, Winning the second spot in the group for the World Cup qualifiers in Brazil was the highest point in my career now. But at the moment, I am, as a manager, having the biggest challenge in the football world, the league. Yeah. Being, uh, being a national team coach of India, that's the biggest challenge in the football world. Because that's, that's something which is difficult to understand. Because the league goes on for three months only there, still from November to end of February. So the players effectively play 18 games, that's maximum number of the games per year. Eight months during the year they are on the street because the clubs are not operating for eight months. So to to create a successful national team out of the players which are on the street for eight months during the year is something you cannot imagine how difficult that is. But uh, I'm having great, great group of people in the federation, uh, we made plan three years ago about how to proceed, how to reorganize competitions, and not only national team head coach, their rivals brought there to help them 
and reorganizing the competition of the leagues and all that. And to advise them more of a youth development and all that. I have under my senior national football team and under 23 also. And obviously, pandemic stopped us in changing things uh, with a higher speed, but it will start very soon, so it will help us a lot in the future. Is that in your character, Igor, as a winner to take on such a big challenge rather than maybe take on a, an easier club role? No fear. No, <laughs> I love that, that you still you still like the challenge of it and you're still that motivated. So a bigger challenge, more exciting. Brilliant. We did speak about Derby maybe achieving more um, when you was there as a player, maybe kicking on to that next level. At the same time, when you was playing for the Croatian <laughs> national side, you're in 96 and the World Cup in 98. Do you feel like that? Croatian side could have gone a little bit further and maybe gone an, an extra an extra step because they took no, the ball by storm at the time. If it was not for the referee, that bastard who was there at the old that Trafford when we faced Germany in the quarterfinals of Euro '96, we would go all the way. Definitely, definitely. The, the, the shameful referee in that day, which the guy who didn't send off Klinsmann for for kicking our player without ball. Vlaovic, who was on the floor and uh, giving away a free kick from which they scored the second goal, which was obvious free kick on our defender. I mean, many, many things happened there which were quite clear to us. What can you say? Well, I actually watched this earlier as part of making a few notes and you got sent off and I'm, I'm still not sure what you got sent off for. The only reason I was sent off it was to make sure Germany wins the game. Wow. And you had the opportunity a couple of years well, later. One referee, the most important thing for one referee is criteria. Criteria. Okay, so if you start with some criteria in the game, you need to keep it. If you don't send off in the fifth minute, Klinsmann, for kicking opposite player off the ball, how are you going to send off someone for doing nothing for the second bookable offense? It's quite clear about what happened that day. Not many more times in different games, not with Croatia, but you will remember, I don't know, Chelsea, Barcelona, penalties and all these things. Everybody sees this. These, these things are not good for football. Was it nice revenge then when you beat them 3-0 a few years later? We lived two years from that day. Really? We were dreaming about facing Germany in that one and it happened. You know, we were so angry after losing to them at Trafford. In '96, and we spoke about it many times, and we were all dreaming about facing them again and kicking them out. It, did that it, was, it, was, it was a really great day. Did, did that motivate you? That that uh, the all of us, all yeah. of us, believe me, believe. Yeah. Before you go, I do want to ask you about a story that I was it, you, you touched on earlier, but I didn't. I didn't go into it further because I didn't want to upset you right at the very start of the interview. The what is it? It's about the, the this is the the thing that people wanted to know about most. Um, you are not coming off the Wyvern in the when you just got a car. Was it your second day? It happened very simple, you know. As, as, as confident as I am, I was impatient to to get my car, which was clearly stated in the contract I signed. And after a few days being driven by taxi from uh, training ground home and from home to training ground. I got fed up with the taxi and I told Stuart Webb, you know, dear Stuart, I, I need a car. I have, uh, I need to, to receive the car. And he said to Igor, are you sure? You know, this is England and this and that. 
right side wheel and uh, different side drive and all that. Be patient. I said, no, come on. I'm fed up with the taxis and all that. Okay, and he sorts out immediately, I think, new Honda Civic. New Honda Civic was there and I'm taking photos, you know, showing the kids. Smile, me and Stuart, I'm taking, taking the car and I, I run the engine, I go back home, but I miss one turn and I'm on my way to Nottingham. So I, I know I need to go to exit and turn and go back home. But I wasn't thinking probably that one-way traffic when you go to Nottingham, but when you turn left to exit and go up the bridge, it's two-way traffic. It's not one-way traffic anymore. And suddenly on the top of the bridge, I was on the right side and the car opposite way in front of me. And I was blessed because guys who were in the opposite car were not account this is a ticket holder. So. Oh, brilliant. They were not they were not forest supporters, otherwise I wouldn't play for Daddy County. <laughs> brilliant. Igor, it's been um, it's been absolutely amazing and I appreciate your time, mate. Um I, there's one question I want to ask you to finish on and it's what does Derby County mean to you? It's half of my life. It's a huge part of my life, of my football career. And it's half my heart. Another Another half is my is my family in Croatia. Well, thank you very much. You, you're still very much adored here, and we all love you. And um, thank you very much for. I love you on. all. Regards to everyone. Let's stay positive and and strong. Even the circumstances are not bright, but let's hope that things will be sorted in in the near future. And uh, lots of regards to Wayne Rooney and appreciation from my side and my family for everything he's doing for Derby County. Well, thank you. We look forward to seeing you as uh, director of football when Derby's back in the Premier League in 2025 and Rooney can be the manager, you can be director of football. Even sooner. Even sooner. Igor, thank you very much. We love you.